From the Game Nashville studios, presented by Wholesale Inc. Mount Juliet, it's time to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. Cuts across, he scores! This is the Preds' official podcast with Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton. A powerful blow from back of the net. On Smashville's best sports talk, ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Predators official podcast. We'll call it Playoff Edition Part 2. Brooks Bratton alongside Thomas Willis here on ESPN 1025. The game is streaming on the Game Nashville app. Thanks so much for stopping by again. The last time we talked to you, it was only a few days ago, the Predators and Dallas Stars had just started their opening round series. Or we're just getting ready to begin. They have begun. Game 1 is over. And even though the Predators lost Game 1 by a 3-2 final to Dallas... Thomas Willis, the power of positivity is something else. You were supposed to say that this was also a special edition, so we'd get like triple the downloads because people were so excited to hear the recent episode earlier this week for round one. If you just called this one a special edition, I mean, I don't see why they can't all be special well, they're edition all, they're episodes. All, I don't need to say special I'm edition. Special. They're all special. You're special. Josh, you feeling special today? He's feeling <laughs> special today. All right. I mean, I, it feels like another special edition to me. Sure. All right, so game two, Saturday night, Predators look to even that series. So I, I maybe this is the power of positivity because just before we started to record, I said, you know what? It might be better that they, in, in reference to recording the show, not in reference to the actual on-ice play, it might be better that they <laughs> lost because now we get to dissect the game. We get to hear yeah. from Chris Mason and all his expertise. We get to really look at it, whereas if they'd won, we would have just sat here and been like, yeah, we knew that was coming. I don't know. Is that is that too hot of a take for no, you? No, that's fair. I mean, you know, you're, we're not saying, hey, thank goodness they lost. We've right. got more to talk about. Right. But no, I don't. I think that's fair. And, and we'll hear from him in a bit. But P.K. Subban, that is. And, and a lot of folks, not just P.K., had the mantra of, you know what? We're going to lose at some point. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be game one. And other than losing a game seven, I think game one is probably the worst <laughs> one to lose, especially yeah. at the start of the playoffs. Well, so I, at least on Twitter, picked the Predators to win this series in six games. And I thought it was going to be tied 2-2 two to two after four of them. So, I mean, the ship's not that much off course, honestly. So it's, it's going to be all right. Um, and you're actually going to hear Chris Mason say something very similar to that effect later on in the show as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good thing. I'm, and why waste time? Let's go ahead and get into it. We mentioned it. You'll hear from P.K. Subban in just a bit. You'll hear from Chris Mason in segment two. Uh, we've got actually uh, several different clips of Predators player audio as we have the two-day break in between games one and two. Um, but let's get into it. Go ahead for the listener. Let's recap game one. Game one, the Nashville Predators and the Dallas Stars at Bridgestone Arena on Wednesday night to begin the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs. The Predators get out to a one nothing lead, and then Dallas proceeds to score the next three goals, including two in the third period. P.K. Subban got one late but it wasn't quite enough as the Predators fall one nothing in the series count. So to start things out, it was a great first period for the Nashville Predators mm-hmm. in game one. The second period and most of the third period, I'd say as well, went in Dallas's favor. And the overriding theme of Peter Laviolette's postgame press conference was they were quicker. And you'll hear Chris Mason talk about this too in a bit, but he just said they were quicker than us. They were making decisions quicker. Their their overall speed, they were quicker than the Predators. 
and they had a lot of sustained pressure in the Nashville zone. And I, and I think that was really what kind of, I don't want to say lull everyone to sleep, but the Predators weren't able to get really out of their zone and into Dallas's zone and sustain anything for any prolonged amount of time like they were in the first period. The first period, they looked great. They were all over Dallas, who we talked about in the last show. They're a very stingy team on defense. They really tightened that up this season. And the Predators, for the first 20 minutes, found a way to get through that and, and get a lot of chances in on, on Ben Bishop. And it was Roman Yossi who got that first goal right in the slot on the backhand. But then after that, Dallas tightened up. They figured things out a little bit. And then once they had that 3-1 lead in the third period, they really tightened up. And the Preds were able to get one late, uh, but it wasn't quite enough there. So the quicker, Dallas being quicker is, is a major theme that came out of that. And then for the Predators' consistency and and replicating that first period effort throughout a whole 60-minute contest. I'm here to say that I think the first period was excellent and like we've seen in some Predators losses throughout this season, there's a bit of if you were able to score a second or third goal, something like that in the first period, maybe we were able to put the stars away in that contest. Not that, you know, a three to nothing lead after the first period means you're gonna win. I'm looking at you, Tampa Bay Lightning. But but still, I think there was a little bit of ah, you know, if we only could have executed a little bit more in that moment. Because you're right, the first period was very good. And then there was a definite second period adjustment. After the first intermission, the Stars played a different style of game. And I think this is a good way to explain it. You correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're referencing a team speed and quickness and that sort of thing, you're not just meaning, and then the Stars decided to skate faster, and the Predators did not. The example I gave earlier was, think of a basketball team. When you're able to pass the ball, obviously, without bounce pass, like you can move it quickly through the air, that sort of thing. As a unit, if we scout out the defense and know, hey, if we're passing here, 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 and here, we can move the ball up and down the court that much quicker. And I know that's a bit of an oversimplification, but there was something to that with the Stars. They looked at the Predators' defense and said, if we're passing in these ways, if we're simply just getting the puck into the offensive zone and just worrying about the rest later, that's going to be the way to win this hockey game. And I think, in a way, because these two teams hadn't played in a long time, I don't say the Predators were shocked, but... I think they were a little bit surprised at just how simplistically the Stars played. And it was, I mean, it was point shot, get some traffic in front, throw it on net whenever you can, and just try to counterattack, try to counterattack, try to counterattack. Who cares about the score? And that eventually, with some special teams help for sure on the power play, the Stars were able, you know, to win that hockey game. So that's just, that's move one of the chess match. And now the Predators have to anticipate not only how to beat the game one strategy of the Stars, at least the second half of it, but the Stars are going to adjust as well. I mean, they're not going to try to do the exact same thing as well. But, well, that worked. We'll try it again. So, uh, And this small shout-out to our guest on, I guess, earlier this week's episode, Sean Shapiro of The Athletic. His X-Factors yeah. were Matt Zuccarello and Miro Heiskanen, who, at least until recently, we thought had scored all three goals. The one goal gets changed to rattle off, but still. I mean, I was like, I looked at you in that game. I was like, dang. We don't need to invite him back on the show. He's too good at this. <laughs> he nailed it. Well, we, we did mention the other day as well, would there be that little bit of a feeling out process? And, and whether or not there there was a lot of that, which mm-hmm. it was, there was a bit. I, I think these teams are so familiar with one another that there's not a whole lot uh, of surprises that are going to come from either side. But to your point, that first period, both teams saw what the other was doing, and Dallas really made uh, some adjustments there. 
to kind of counteract what the Predators were showing off in that first period. And now you've had a couple of days to take a look at everything, readjust, reevaluate if you want to. And I, I think uh, what, let's go ahead and play um, the clip from P.K. Subban following game one, uh, just talking about his overall thoughts and, and what is going to lead into game two on Saturday here. We're not going to go undefeated all the way, you know, in the playoffs. So, you know, for us, I think this is a good learning experience for us to make sure that we, you know, play every shift like it's our last. And, um, you know, you got to give them credit. They came into our building. It's a tough place to play in, and uh, they got one game. But, uh, you know, for us, I'm confident with our group. We're going to turn it around and come back. And uh, even the series here at home, that's what we're looking to do and then go on the road. It's not quite the guarantee that we heard from PK last season. But it's close, and I think that's really the belief that you have to have, right? You have to believe that you're going to win game two. It's not nobody's going to sit there and say, oh, well, we're going to try our best and we'll see what happens. Well, mm-hmm. you, you have to have that belief. And then on the contrary to that, I, I think it's also important to keep in some perspective, and it, it's, it can be tough in the playoffs because everything is so amped up. There's so much pressure. Everything is magnified to a greater degree. And when you lose a game, as Colton Sisson said, on Thursday, the the feeling, it just feels like you've almost lost five games in a row right. just because of how much one game means. But at the same time, you have to realize you're not going to win every game. And unfortunately, it just happened to be game one, which doesn't look great, mm-hmm. but it is what it is, and you've got to deal with that. Right. I, I think the Predators, your hope would be they have been uniquely prepared for this situation over their playoff runs under Peter Laviolette. Their coach has seen it all, and honestly, most of the team has seen it all, and you're expecting them to be able to respond better to the wins and losses of the postseason than the team directly across the ice from them in the Dallas Stars. There are so many players on the Stars who've never been there, including their first-year head coach. So game one goes to the Stars, but you kind of saw this coming. You would expect that Nashville has a better ability to ride the waves of a postseason and be able to just put game one behind you. Like, yeah, it's over and get ready to win game two. And here's the stat that some of our listeners know, and that would just be that the Predators have never won a playoff series when they've lost game one. And I think part of that is there's still limited playoff success with this team. They just haven't been around that long. But the counter to that would also be in two of those times when they've lost game one at home, the most recent time being 2015 under Peter Laviolette against the Blackhawks, the Preds have come back to tie the series in game two, and then it's where it goes from there. I think we all remember that series in 15 against the Hawks Whew, that was a close one. I, I still remember triple overtime in game four, for example. So, Or double in game one. And then double in game one. For me, the positives were in the first period, you also saw the Predators just physically pushing back the opposition. And I know that is tough to maintain for 60 minutes, but I think you have to do your best at trying to do that. I'm thinking of Wayne Simmons and Brian Boyle. They're just throwing hits. Boyle, even with a huge hit on, on Dickinson, on the power play. Yeah. Um, and I think you have to maintain that physicality to just push it back so that the Stars can't counterattack in the way that they were. Um, and then we'll see. I, I think negatives, the first line was not as lethal as we've seen it, including Victor Arvidsson felt like he got bottled up a few different times. But my money still would be on the number of shifts, the dozens of shifts that the Joe Feline or the first line is going to get in a game. They're going to crack through eventually, including Victor Arvidsson almost toe-dragged through his own legs and, and scored a goal. Um, to tie it there so um, and then finally the other thing that I, I guess I would say this and not to toot on horns too much but 
our preview show really set this series up so far. And we're only looking at a very small sample size of one game. But we had the defensive effort. We had the low scoring. And then, finally, we had the special teams factor. The Stars won game one because of their power play. And the Predators did not because they went 0 for 4 with their opportunities. The Stars go 1 for 3. So, we'll see. I mean, does that get in better? Does that improve? I think that's important when you're not only trying to tie the series, but going forward. Absolutely. And I, I think for Nashville, a, a big thing, and I know I mentioned it earlier, is having a couple of days to kind of read and react and look at things. I, I when, And we'll hear from a couple of guys a bit later on. But I think on the surface to get that set up, and we'll hear Chris Mason mention it as well, that maybe two days is almost a blessing in disguise right now for the yeah. Nashville Predators between game one and game two with a chance to regroup, refocus, and uh, worry about game two. And I would say the guys are ready to go. So more on that in just a bit. Coming up next, we will talk to former Predators goaltender and current color analyst on the television side. The great Chris Mason will join us next right here on the Predators official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Brooks Bratton alongside Thomas Willis. We're at Bridgestone Arena for a bit and joined by former Predators goaltender and now current broadcaster Chris Mason. Mace, first off, it's good to talk to you here in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the postseason. We know the Preds are down one game to nothing in their series against the Dallas Stars. They've had two days to think about it. What's the message heading into game two? How are we feeling right now? Well, I think it's obviously a huge wake-up call for the for the team. I think we saw similar issues that kind of plagued the Preds down the stretch. I, I feel they got off to a really good start, but there's always seems to be a pocket of time in the games where they get away from their game plan and they get put on their heels. And the same thing happened in game one against Dallas where they, they, they did get off to that great start, but then they had uh, you know, a window of about 30 minutes there in between where th- they just weren't good. And, and to me, um, a lot of it stemmed from defensive zone. I think you know Dallas... Uh, played really good they, they really just played a simple game in terms of their game plan anytime they got in the offensive zone they would just try to you know get pucks in and then when they had uh, pucks on the outside in the perimeter they would just funnel them to the net and then just get bodies there and it really gave uh, the Preds issues and I think that was a that was the the difference in the hockey game obviously that stretch when they scored and then they came out uh, Dallas came out in the third period uh, with everything they had there and, and scored those goals and, and again it was just more of the same where they would they would get pressure they uh, would would just funnel pucks in that and then they won the loose puck battles so I think to me the, the Preds have to find a way to play a consistent game through 60 minutes or, or whatever it takes into overtime but I just feel like throughout the games they look like two different teams at times and uh, the team that doesn't play as well yeah, that's that's kind of the team that's been costing them, you know, these these hockey games and, and maybe the inconsistency. So they have to find a way to when they get their game going to keep it going. The vast majority of analysts pick the Predators to win this series. So after losing game one, I'm curious, does that change your perspective on the series as a whole or just how you think it's going to go? Or, or are you just resolute and still? No, I think the analysts were right. The Preds are probably going to win this series. I still, I still think the Predators will uh, win this series. I, I had them in six games. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you know it wasn't going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, they haven't played for a while, Dallas and Nashville. And I think uh, the Preds really got an idea of how they've been playing down the stretch. They really lock it down. I think that first period, you know, both teams are kind of nervous, excited. So it, w- it was a little more open. But as that game went on, you saw how d- uh, Dallas can lock it down. And, and they didn't really 
you know, test Bishop much in that second and third period. So they're going to have to fight for those uh, scoring chances and opportunities. Um, I think they, they, they realize quickly they're going to have to, uh, you know, they can't have those lapses. Dallas has some star players that can hurt you and, and get opportunities. And, they, you know, even players that um, are not household names. Rope Hintz was another one. Uh, Dickinson had some guys that really, you know, came out of nowhere in terms of, uh, you know, scouting the Dallas Stars that, that were really good in that first game. But I still have the Preds. I think they'll, they, they've had a history of being able to uh, respond to games like that and come back w- with an answer. And I think this uh, this group of players and the leadership group and the core guys they have weren't happy with how that game went. So I uh, went. So I expect a response from the team, and I, I still have them in six. The overriding theme of Peter Laviolette's press conference after Game One was Dallas, especially in that second period and a lot of the third as well, was a quicker team. And he said it probably five or six times, and then on Thursday confirmed that even after looking at some video, reviewing some things from Game One. When he says they're the quicker team, in your mind, is is that team speed? Is that like physically speed on the ice? Is it decision making? What goes into maybe a team being quicker than one another in, in certain aspects of the game? Uh, well, I think you know, in that second period, I think actually I'll go back to the first period. I thought what Nashville did really well was they they really played a simple game. They they kind of did what Dallas did in the second and third. They just got in the offensive zone. They funneled pucks in net, and then they just battled. And it's tough. I think anytime you're playing a really strong defensive team, if you can get those shots on goal, that's when you can get teams running around because they have to turn their back and they have to go find that puck. But if you if you stay to the perimeter and you look for those perfect opportunities, it's it's tough to get those on a team that plays like Dallas. So I thought what Dallas did in, in terms of being quicker is, is the Preds tried to skate it in. They tried to you know make that extra play look for for more of a perfect opportunity instead of just funneling pucks and uh, creating offense that way. And then teams like Dallas that they go back on the counterattack, so they're all in position. The Predators are moving forward, they're on the attack, and then as soon as Dallas gets possession, they go back the other way, and then the Preds are chasing the game. They get back in their defensive zone, uh, you know, in odd man situations, and then you're just you're playing catch-up. So I, I think Dallas, really, if you play into their system, that's how teams like Dallas can have success. Uh, Vegas is very similar in, in terms of that, where they, they stay back. They're not overly aggressive until they get that puck turned over, and then they go. In your experience, so in the NFL, it's known that like the backup quarterback tries to learn what the opposition quarterback does and play like him to make the defense better. When you're working on your special teams, is that something that the penalty kill would do to like make the Predators power play better in theory by saying, here's how the stars are going to attack you? Or is it something where it's like, no, we just worry about the power play aspect of it and we don't look at the other side of the coin? I guess I've never really asked that question before, but I was watching the power play today and that thought came to mind. I think you have to, and I think the Preds, they have to look at everything right now because they've tried a bunch of different things, and it just it just doesn't seem to click. It, it seems to have become a weight, uh, you know, on, on the players. They, they have capable personnel to have success in the power play. They've had it in the past, but for whatever reason, um, I, I think when they have opportunities early in games, I like what, what they're doing. They're getting uh, chances. But then they kind of revert back as the game goes on, and and if they can find a way to you know score two power plays in a game, um, but it's it's about creating chances and and sticking with what works. Even if the goals don't come on your first power play, you got if you're getting chances, you got to con- continue to mm-hmm. to play that way. And I find that if they don't have early success, they kind of revert back to old habits and try to move the puck around too much and, and wait for that perfect opportunity. But um, you know teams are so. 
uh, aware of the, the pred situation or another team's situation, so they're so aggressive on on, on the predators, and it just becomes uh, you know one of the, that snowball effect. And mm-hmm. um, but I think they do have to look at a you know Dallas had a lot of success. They didn't do anything fancy. They just got the puck to the D-man. They they found Elena and just put and no slap shots. Just float that puck in there, and they created a lot of good chances and, and a couple goals. Preds broadcaster Chris Mason, our guest on the Preds official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Mace, I think a theme that we've heard the last couple of days coming out of the Predators locker room is not a whole lot needs to change as far as the process or the game plan goes. It's a matter of executing that. And as you were saying, doing it consistently for 60 minutes. Do you feel like much needs to change or is that recipe there? It's just a matter of executing it. Yeah, they they definitely it's execution is everything. You know, you see almost with in every game here the last little while that there's really excellent stretches where they're doing the right things, and then there's the stretches where they they get away from it and, and they end up chasing the game. Um, you know, and it kind of spirals out of control for a certain amount of time. But it's it's about that focus, and it's about doing what works uh, when you have success, and then not uh, not changing that. Whether it takes you. You know, to the last minute in the hockey game to get to get that final goal, but you're not you're not giving anything up. And I just find when they have those breakdowns, they just they give up a lot of chances in, in terms of not really making the other team earn it. You know, every team's got superstar players. Dallas has a bunch. They're going to get their own opportunities, but it's it just the the unforced errors, the the coverage breakdowns that I think the Predators are having. Uh, that, that's focus and that's uh, you know that determination to, to stick with your system and to stick with the process throughout that game no matter what the situation. You've referen- referenced this a few times. As a goalie, I think you have a keen perspective on this. Are the Predators giving up too many point shots, kind of straightaway shots for the Stars onto the natural net? I felt like in that game I was noticing the defense was able to you know, cut over to the high, the high slot in that blue line and just floated on net. Can that be a danger going forward? Yeah, big time. I think, you know, blocking shots in the playoffs is is crucial. Um, it's crucial, you know, throughout the regular season too, but even more so every play is just magnified that much more in the playoffs. Um, I, I find, you know, the Predators kind of do a hybrid of a zone defense and, and they'll go man-to-man sometimes. I, I, I find when they uh, go man-to-man is when that, that kind of happens because mm-hmm. it's so easy to, to lose your coverage and lose your man and all's, all's a guy needs is half step and a, and a lane to the net but um, blocking shots is absolutely essential and they, they have uh, Dallas has those skilled defensemen who can get the pucks through it's not always easy to get it through mm-hmm. but they, they're, they're so skilled back there they're, we have those guys too but they're, they're just really driving that home and you can see that, that that's their game plan that's all Dallas is trying to do. They're just trying to any way they can get pucks to the net, especially from from the point in the middle of the ice. It's just a nightmare for goalies and and for teams defending because if you get it through, it's after after it gets to the net, it's just chaos. Yeah. And uh, but if you block those shots, you know you, you just nullify any of those secondary opportunities. PK Subban said after game one, look. We knew we weren't going to win every game. It just happened to be game one. You don't want to drop that one, but that's what happened. Going into game two. Give us some reasons to be positive. What you've been in this situation as a player? What is what is the mindset going into game two? Is it a little bit of both? You're staying positive, but you also you're a little bit angry after game one. Well, they have to definitely carry that you know that disappointment. The last couple of days they've had to sit on that um, because you know, like Peck has said too, after the game you only have one chance to have a good start to the series, and then they didn't have that. So I think that's uh, you have to use that as kind of a chip on your shoulder. But it's, it's such an emotional time. The playoffs, as we all know, as fans and, and you know, as a, as a player, you know, one day you lose a hockey game and you feel like, oh, that's it. The sky's falling. The series is over. 
but it, it really is the old cliche. You, you can't look past game two. It's got to be one at a time. They've talked about the areas they need to clean up. They have to clean them up in game two. You know, Dallas, Dallas is for real. We all, it's, this league is, we've seen, you saw Columbus beat Tampa Bay. They're down three, nothing. Everyone thought, all right, it's four game sweep. That game's, you know, it's going to be 10, nothing or whatever. <laughs> you just never know. So you, you really, you really just have to, to go game to game. Um, there's some stuff that uh, they've talked about. We, and we, we saw during that game, they've got to clean that up. And, uh, you, you know, you win that hockey game and it's, uh, you're, you're back in the saddle and you're feeling good about yourself, but they're going to have to, they're going to have to play a, a really good hockey game. They can't have those breakdowns. Finally, this regular season for the Preds was so different compared to the last one. I think we've all made those comparisons as it went by. In your opinion, do you think the ups and downs, the the resolve to overcome some adversity, could that maybe help them in the postseason? I think so. I, I as smooth as last season was, and you know, it, it, coming off that Cinderella Stanley Cup, it was almost you know it was, it was almost too easy and too easy to write that whole story. And I think that I think actually that season hurt them going down the end of end of the postseason and. They, they weren't really sharp to, to start that just because, you know, the last month or so was resting guys mm-hmm. and it's pretty much wrapped up uh, the President's Trophy and just, uh, you know, a matter of time before they finished that off. But th- this season they've been, I think they've been really challenged. It, you know, they, they end up winning the Central Division on the last day of the season. It didn't feel like they mm-hmm. won the Central mm-hmm. Division with the season they had. So I, I think that, you know, after having that disappointing first game, they've, they've been going through this all season. They've found ways to, to come out of it. And uh, I, I really do think that the character in that locker room, I, I don't think they, it's a group that's going to lose faith, whether you, you know, lose the first game at home. Um, but having said that, this, this game too is, is absolutely important, but it's definitely a, a situation that they're familiar with because of the trials and tribulations of, of this season for sure. Mace, thanks for doing this. Your perspective and insights always appreciated. I don't think you technically chucked your bag for this interview. You said it. You said it next to you. Yeah. So that's I placed it. Yeah. So thanks for doing this. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Up next, we'll keep chatting Preds and Stars and set the stage for Game Two of this Stanley Cup playoff series. That's all on the Preds official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 102.5 The Game, streaming on the game Nashville app. Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis of NashvillePredators.com back here with you talking Pred Stars round one of the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs. The Predators trail one game to nothing. Game two Saturday night, Saturday evening actually. Hot, pre-evening. hot diggity. We've talked about this. Saturday pre-evening. 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 5 p.m. Bridgestone Arena. I love how you said the intro a bit like a question. The game Nashville app? Kind of like I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> it is in fact on the game Nashville app. You're welcome. Sure, yes. It's also also available at nationalpress.com slash podcast. Slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Wow. I was not ready for you to spell. <laughs> spell. What word couldn't you spell the other day? Taught, right? You asked how yes, to spell taught. I totally, as in like, yes, you you taught me something. Yes. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I couldn't process it. I wasn't there. Well, I help, mm. I was able to help you once for all the times you've gotten out of me. Is it compliment or compliment? Yes. You love to do the other one. Well, you remember principal in school. The principal yeah, in your school, pal. he's your pal. He's, sure. Yeah. Sure. Gosh, sure. we could go on all day. Well, again, but since we're here, <laughs> hey, guys, 90% of the time, every day is two words. It's only one when it's used <laughs> in the, as an adjective. Save your Instagram post. All right. And back to Preds Hockey Talk. I had never cared more about that than than, than since I have met you. And you, now I'm like, sure. goodness gracious, what is wrong with these people? You all of a sudden started noticing that people are saying, well, I could care less. 
Oh, so you do care? No, you couldn't <laughs> care less. I always, I always say that to you. If you just looked at your girlfriend and and said, you know, I could be happier. No, I couldn't <laughs> be happier. She's breaking up with you, so you couldn't care less. I could be happier with this relationship uh-huh. right here. This uh-huh. segment's really gone on for a while. It already. really has. Hope you've enjoyed your grammar lesson. <laughs> As we look ahead to Game Two for the Nashville Predators, they'll try to. Get a little bit of redemption and even things up before heading to Dallas. So we did want to play a couple of audio clips uh, from Ryan Ellis and Predators head coach Peter Laviolette. So this is Ryan Ellis speaking on Thursday following the game one loss and talking about dealing with Dallas's speed. Is that something that the Predators will need to react to? Were they surprised by it? Here's what Ryan Ellis had to say on that topic. Probably stick with the same formula, to be honest. I mean, at times they were faster, at times we were faster, and that's what the playoffs is. It's you, you can't be the fastest team, the best team, the hardest hitting team every single shift. That's that's not sports. You know what I mean? So um, I think uh, limiting their their times that they are, um, you know, cycling or skating harder or whatever. I think limiting that time is uh, is what we need to do better. But um, that's playoff hockey. I like what Ellie said there in the sense that, and I, you know, you can say this as much as you want, but it really is true at this time of the year that as much as you want the Predators to play a full, complete 60-minute game and dominate the Dallas Stars every shift, it's probably not going to happen because there's another team over on the other side that wants it just as bad as you do. And I also liked hearing this from Ryan Johansson because I think sometimes there's a sense of, oh, well, that team worked harder, wanted the game more, or tried harder. Um, and he said this in reference to what Ryan Ellis was speaking uh, about as well. Their team game was just a little faster in the second period there. It wasn't like they were working harder than us or something like that. They played a smarter game, which turned out for their team to have more speed than ours in the second period, and vice versa. When we were doing our thing in the first, we looked faster. I felt like we let that one get away from us. So I think that speaks to it. There's going to be ebbs and flows in a hockey game, and there's going to be adjustments from both the coaching staff and the players. So... I think the Predators, of course, could have won game one. And it would be silly, in a sense, to all of a sudden say, let's blow it up, change the lineup, change how we're approaching things. There'd been, a, as Chris Mason was saying in the last segment, there'd been a several months since these two teams have played. And I think it was reacclimating. And now that I, I'm, I'm very confident in the Predators coaching staff and the players that they will have formulated a new plan to victory. Well, and we can sit here all we want and say, well, if Philip Forsberg didn't hit that post, right. and if Dallas's shot didn't bounce in the way that it did, like you can go back and forth and all these hypotheticals. That's uh, hockey. And you'll drive yourself crazy if you do, right? Like the reality is that the Predators are down one nothing, And I mentioned this earlier on as well. And I think that two-day break could actually end up being a good thing for the Predators. And a lot of the players have commented, and, and this is their mentality, and I get this, and I think it's true for you and I to a point as well, that once you lose a game, you don't want to have too much time to think about it, right? You want to get right back out there and make amends for it and and try to get that win again after after going down. But I think it may actually turn out to be a blessing in disguise, and I, I think it was curious. And Peter Laviolette has talked about this for two straight days, and I think it was interesting what he said on Friday afternoon following that practice. They got a day on Thursday to kind of rest and relax and and review some video. Friday they get back on the ice, and here's what Coach Laviolette had to say about having that two-day break, and maybe it really is a good thing right now. I'm sure everybody's a little bit different. I, you know, I always find that I always find that when you're carrying something um, in the playoffs. And it doesn't go your way. You 
know, a good night's rest and the sun coming up tomorrow and going to work and getting on the ice and practicing, I always feel like that heals a lot. And guys want to go out. And so we weren't able to do that yesterday. We'll take the schedule. It, it is what it is. The schedule's fine. Um, but, you know, we were able to accomplish some things yesterday. We were able to accomplish some things today. And like I said, I think almost sometimes the further you get away from that, it's in the rearview mirror and you start thinking about the good things that you're going to do again and not the things that didn't happen inside of a game. So the Predators have had two days to think about those good things that they're going to do. And I, and I really think that, you know, of course we're going to say this, but I, I feel like the team is really in a good spot right now. I, I like what's kind of the attitude that's been taken and the way that guys have looked at things. And it was even different on Friday than it was on Thursday. Not that guys were moping and hanging their heads on Thursday, but you could almost sense a bit of a different feeling. Like on Thursday, we're taking a look at things. We're, we're taking a moment to realize what actually happened. And then Friday, we're able to go out and apply that and, and take a whole new spin on it and really shift our focus completely to game two. We're not even thinking about game one anymore. We've got one 60-minute game on Saturday evening that we're going to worry about, and that's where our focus is right now. We're not even thinking about going to Dallas yet either. And it's easy to say this, but I think the first goal, again, will be significant. And I, I know it didn't work out for the Predators in game one, but still, they had 34 wins across the regular season when they scored the first goal of the game. And I think for me, if that occurs in game two or three or as the series goes on, I think that's going to do a better job of setting the stage for the Preds. And I really think, and back to what Sean was saying on our show last week, I think the Stars have changed a bit as a team since these two teams uh, played each other in February for the final regular season time. And I think the Predators need to learn, and I bet that they will have um, from game one, just learning how to attack them on offense, how you need to play, because the Stars have bought into their system, especially one that's so strong on defense, um, and the Predators will need to do their best to combat that. And I think you saw glimmers, believe it or not, as much as we've talked about it on this show in the past, the Predators' second line was honestly one of their best at creating offense. Um, lines two and four were very, very good in my opinion. Um, and then I actually heard Colton Sisson saying after that game that he was a little surprised. The, the third line was not as good as they've been accustomed mm-hmm. to since Austin Watson got back, but I would expect them to bounce back. Um, and we know the first line's going to have their chances. So I think there were some glimmers of it. It's funny how, well, a loss is a loss, and, and you want to ignore all the positive things um, and say, oh, Kyle Turris was terrible again. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't <laughs> by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. And, and, and again, I, I'm sure like there'll be a power play goal for the Preds coming up in this series, and all of a sudden we'll love the power play again, so then we'll have to pick a new scapegoat, um, you know, or and a scapegoat, as Michael Scott loves to say from the office. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's just how it goes, and – we all expected this to be a six, seven game series. We were saying it on the last show. My opinion on that has not changed. And so because of that, there's going to be some highs and lows. I think also, and you just touched on it, liking the second line, liking the fourth line. And we mentioned it in the preview show. And if you remember this, people might say, oh, you're contradicting yourselves. You said that if they lose, they'll change the lineup. Not necessarily. Oftentimes that happens, but I think this is a classic example of, the Predators liking what they saw, especially out of the forward groups. Mm-hmm. And we're not confirming this, but we're pretty sure it looks like, at least from what we saw on Friday's practice from the line rushes, it looks like the Predators are probably going to go with the same lineup on Saturday evening in Game 2, which includes Wayne Simmons, Brian Boyle, and Kelly Yarncroft on that fourth line, Craig Smith, 
Kyle Turris, Mikhail Granlin on that second line. And those were arguably Nashville's two best lines, and especially the fourth line. Peter Laviolette said that he really liked actually what Wayne Simmons and Brian Boyle brought from a physicality standpoint uh, in that game. And, and Wayne Simmons was asked about it on Friday, just how he feels about his overall contributions. And he said, I, I, I need to be better. I, I wish I have, I wish I would have contributed more to this point. And when somebody like that is essentially calling their own game out mm. and saying, yes, I need to be better. Um, I think that's a good thing. I, I think that's someone showing frustration, but that frustration could be channeled into a positive thing. And I think for Wayne Simmons, and I know I mentioned that he's he was one of my X factors in the preview show. He's a player that is built for the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we saw a little bit of that just with what he was able to do on that fourth line from a physicality standpoint. I feel like he has so much more to give. I think he feels like he has so much more to give as well. So I would continue to say to still watch him as this series goes along. Three things to conclude. First, if you're listening to the show trying to find all the times we've contradicted ourselves. <laughs> Thank you for the downloads and the listens, but I mean, you don't need to be doing that because there's they're there. You're going to be able to find them. Uh, And then finally, I would say all these things that we've said about the Preds, Dallas within their locker room and their media, they're saying the same thing. I mean, they're looking at well, Tyler Sagan hasn't scored yet, Jamie Benn hasn't scored yet. The Stars can be a lot better in this series. So can the Predators, and that's why it's going to be such a fight. That's why it's going to be so close. Um, We'll continue to talk about that and answer your Twitter questions coming up in the next segment. That's all right here on the Preds official podcast on ESPN 1025, The Game. Fred's official podcast on ESPN 1025, The Game. Back here for a final segment. Thomas Willis, Brooks Bratton, Josh Upton producing. A couple things of note before we get to your Twitter questions. You use hashtag Preds podcast to get your voice heard on the show. Go to nationalpreds.com slash playoffs. That's the top spot for this entire Stanley Cup playoff run. You can see... Game-by-game info, plaza party times, giveaways, where you can watch the games. There's also there's also a Stand With Us social media toolkit, so you can get your phone and social media looking great. NationalBrothers.com slash Winter Classic is the second place to go. You need to sign up for the Winter Classic pre-sale, because if you haven't gotten enough Stars Preds, you have the opportunity to watch even more on January the 1st, 2020. Outdoors. At Cotton Bowl Stadium. So, yeah, the big pre-sale will be April the 17th. So, nationalpress.com slash winterclassic is the place to go. All right, let's get into these Twitter questions without further ado. You know, I don't think we've ever gone a show without saying without further ado. Without so further ado. We just got it in under the wire. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard someone say really without further ado that stuck to me was on was it NHL 2K4 with Steve Levy in the Whoa. Sports Center studio and it was a little intro to the game and he was like without further ado let's go it sounds nothing like steve levy <laughs> without further ado let's get straight to the action like, yeah steve levy yes. let's do get let's straight do to the action. steve all right he was a great mc by the way at the uh, u.s hockey hall of fame ceremony here in nashville that's right December, you had a good yeah. time there it was fantastic yeah there's right a on. whole chocolate skate like it was huge like a hollow like you remember those chocolate easter bunnies yeah you get it was like that except it's a skate Whoa. And I ate the whole thing because I have no self-control. Oh, I thought it was like a, <laughs> I was picturing some very large, like entertain people. You're saying as an individual. Oh, as an individual. Like it wasn't as big as a rail skate, but like the chocolate bar, oh, okay. like a decent size. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was picturing, you know, kind of like an ice sculpture. I was picturing like this gigantic chocolate sk- skate. No, sorry. Did we, it have skate guards on it? We or, all. No. Or shot blockers? No, but I used okay. to be good at leaving my skate guards on and then getting on the ice. That's always hilarious. Classic. Yep. 
But that chocolate skate was delicious. Without further ado. <laughs> Without further ado. <laughs> and we'll bring it back around. Hey, well, so I've been promising Nick True Palmer of Disney Streaming Services NTP. a shout out for a while. And I failed miserably at that. Um, so you may not know this, but DSS, as we affectionately call them, they help run our app and our website. They actually just announced this week Disney Streaming. Disney Plus is going to be coming out later this year. So not really giving them a commercial here by any means, but a big week for them. Um, they Talked lo- about it on Good Morning America. They love the Preds, and we love them right back. So NTP, there you go. All right. Reed asks, what will be the thing that pushes a lineup change for the Preds? Well, injury for one, which we hope doesn't happen, and the Predators Thank have you, been Captain lucky, sure. lucky uh, to not have that yet, although uh, every guy is banged up to a point in the playoffs. Everybody's playing with some bumps and bruises mm. at this time of the year. That's an obvious one. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, I think this is a classic example of when the Predators likely will not make a lineup change even after a loss. I think sometimes if you lose just in a different fashion, like uh, there wasn't, it wasn't like something was broken with the process of the Predators game. It was more the execution of it. Yeah. And so I don't know that there's like, like if you look at that lineup, I don't know that there's someone who you could say. Oh yeah, he was. He didn't play well. I'm taking him out. Right? Like, I don't yeah. know that you can point to anyone and say that at this point. I also think, and maybe this is spilling into our next question, but the Predators have several iterations of the same player. Like it's not as if they're keeping something out of their lineup by scratching something. I think Rocco Grimaldi is the piece that most people come to mind, and I think he would be the closest to adding something different. Like if you put him over a Wayne Simmons, for example. Well, yeah, that's more speed. That's more finesse. But other than that, like Zach Ronaldo, Cody McLeod, Mika Salamaki, you're getting that from your fourth line, and you're getting it from guys like Boyle and Simmons who've been in playoff battles, and maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I would lean toward trusting that rather than something else. And then right now, I know they don't have a goal yet in this series, but Boyle and Simmons are also on the power play, whereas a Grimaldi is not. So you're also affecting your special teams as well. And actually, since I talk about the power play, let's go ahead and skip to Jackie's question. And she said, rookie question, but if Joe for the first line, of course, of Arvis and Johansson and Forsberg works so well at five on five, why isn't that just what you do on the power play? Well, it depends on what personnel you want out there. A lot of times the Predators will try to, to spread that out. Yeah, um, It's not like you're going to put one strict line there and then two defensemen. Sometimes you've got four forwards out there and one defenseman or to your point like you mentioned Brian Boyle and Wayne Simmons are the perfect guys that the Predators maybe want standing in front of the net um, as that sort of presence so it's all about trying to distribute the wealth if Mm -hmm. you will on the power play I don't think that not that everybody's not like not that the second unit wouldn't be as capable as the first unit but I don't think the Predators want to overload one unit with Forsberg Johansson and Arvidsson all at the same time there and it's just feeling out and and you know, you could argue that why don't they try it because nothing else has worked. But I, I just feel like they the distribution as to who is and who isn't on on different units is they they've they've kind of got that where they liked and they are getting some good looks. I know they need results, but um, I think in game one you saw some good looks from the power play as well. And remember that in the last two months, the Predators power play has been trending up. It was like sixteen ish percent in both of those two months. So let's not look at the small sample size of game one too much. The other reason I would say is the Predators have had a Philip Forsberg on the point as well. They In in their adjustments to get better on the power play, they've been moving a forward back to defense mm-hmm. um, on the main advantage. So that's another reason you're immediately splitting up 
uh, the units there. And then I, I think, like you said, their biggest adjustment has been they've wanted someone in front of the net. I know Arby's done that in the past, but in theory, Simmons and Boyle are better in that role. Um, and then look for this, too, since we're just going inside the game a bit. You'll, you've will you probably noticed that Johansson and Arvidsson are on the PK together, and they almost, this has been something Lobby's done the last few years, they almost every time, as long as the shifts have worked out, they will go on the PK first. And the reason is Lobby, after killing a penalty, wants to come back with the full-strength Jofa line as quickly as he can. So they kill off the penalty. He knows he's then able to attack on offense with his best offensive players. There's also a little bit of that on the power play, too. I mean, you can't just necessarily keep playing the same guys over and over and over again. You need them fresh at 5-on-5 five five as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's kind of a, a roundabout way of answering that question. Uh, Misty wants to know, what was the purpose of the acquisition of Cody McLeod? Was it for morale, motivational reasons? Um, and then she mentions giving up a pick to get him seemed like a high price. Well, yes, to a point. It was for motivational morale reasons. We've mentioned that on the show before. Um, and he, of course, did play in some games as well once he got here, and he does that, that physical presence when you need him. Um, the Predators, of course, have a lot of healthy bodies right now, and yeah. Cody is, is on the outside of that looking in. But, yeah, I think a lot of it um, was for that morale, that motivational um, expertise, if you will, that, that missing piece the Predators never wanted to lose him the first time around um, when they lost him on waivers. And to give up a pick, what – was it a seventh round seventh pick? Rounder, yes. yes, I mean, to give up a seventh round pick that, you know, no disrespect to a seventh round pick, but very rarely do those turn into NHL mm-hmm. players. I A seventh round pick from Cody McLeod, I don't see that as a high high price to pay at all, and I'd, I'd rather have Cody on this team, to be honest. And he did play in seven games down the stretch. I think the biggest thing was he has more of a role when the team isn't healthy, and this is the healthiest the Predators have been going into the playoffs in ever. Who, who knows when? Yeah, yeah, yeah quite possibly ever. Finally, Brian used hashtag Preds podcast to ask, do you guys ever give yourselves a second to take it all in while the intro is going on? Saw the video. It looks awesome. So hopefully you also saw in the video me begin my officially my acting career uh, in the sequence, which has Kid Rock walking to Bridgestone Arena. I give him a I'm really into it. I mean, it's a uh, it's a wave that's both welcoming yet showing of Preds pride. So check out for that. This, um, the, you, this is, of course, in the inside video. the arena, the mm-hmm. pre-open video with Nash walking up to Bridgestone Arena. Oh man, he just and, and kicks Kid everything Rock, off. Kid Rock's in it. Luke Bryan's. And you kind of give a Dirk's you give a Bentley. you give a wave to uh, yeah, Kid like, Rock. I'm like, come, come on, on, Kid Rock, let's go to Smashville. John Rich is there as well of uh, Big and Rich. I spent a lot anthem. of time trying to decide my character's background. I finally decided, like, I <laughs> I want to be a season ticket citizen, but I'm just working my way up. I've got the Dr Pepper nine game mini plan locked up for next year. Yeah. And so I'm just pumped about the playoffs. Really excited to meet Kid Rock. Well, and I love it because you're so tall. So you get, there's this <laughs> mass of people and there's there. just this head just bobbing above yes, everybody I'm, else. There's some tongue in cheek there for you, of course. But but yeah, no, uh, we absolutely take a moment because even though we oftentimes get a sneak peek at the open video and that sort of thing to experience it all for the first time. I mean, I was even uh, mesmerized by all the LED, um, I guess, necklaces flashing by the crowd. That yeah. that, that was pretty cool. It's a cool visual. Yeah. Preds Game Ops really steps it up in the playoffs. And uh, this year is no different with some screens that come down and some lasers that uh, some lasers lasers points everywhere. It's uh, it's pretty cool stuff. So hopefully you get a chance to be in Bridgestone to check it out. Maybe for game two. Yeah. Yeah. On Saturday evening, it's a five o'clock start at Bridgestone. And then you and I, along with the Nashville Predators, will head off to Dallas, Texas. I was going to say that the next time we speak to you, we could have a very different series. We'll have played games two, three and four. So we'll see how it goes getting ready for game five at that point. For Brooks Bryden, you can follow him 
at Brooks Braden on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Tom A. Willis on Twitter. Make sure you're following at Preds NHL, especially throughout this playoff run, and use hashtag stand with us to get in on their conversation. For past episodes, to subscribe to the show if you've liked what you've heard, go to nationalpreds.com slash podcast. Thanks to Chris Mason for joining us this week on the POP. As I mentioned, we're live on all your major podcast delivery services, Apple Music, um, Google Play. Check us out there. We greatly appreciate it. We'll see you back in Smashville for Game 5. Stand with us.